Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the most popular and least listened to podcast in the world, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. So, uh, how are you doing today? Really good. Really good. Good. Uh, I watched Agent Revelation today, and uh, uh-huh. it was it was interesting seeing you in the, the role that you play, because it's kind of a, a mentor slash almost sensei like uh, like role. Um mm-hmm. How did how did this all come together? How did you get uh, into this production? Uh, as with most things these days, it's either an audition, but most of the time it's just people calling up and saying, "Hey, you know, would you would you consider this?" Uh, and this is one of the scripts we got. This was two years ago, actually, um, and it was one of the scripts we got. And I read it. I, I liked the part very much, and uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the funny thing is that you never know what the production is going to be like. Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of, unless you're there like earlier and you see it or something like that. But usually, we all just show up and and you're you're always a little surprised. Uh, but you know, I thought the script was good. Uh, I thought it was something that you could, you know, you could work with, which is which is important. You know, that you said, okay, well, I can do this. There's things I can do with this and. You know, I have my little backstory that I set up and everything. So, uh, so it was it was kind of an easy, easy um, decision to make. How do you get yourself mentally prepared for a role? Do you have a certain process that you go through, or do you just pretty much go with the flow as you're rehearsing? Um, pretty much, I, I, I when I start, I, I just make sure I know the lines. You know, <laughs> like I know every line back and forth. You know, so that. You know, so that that's gone and you don't have to deal with that and you can deal with, you know, your your motivation, as they say. I hate to use that word, but it's true, your motivation. Um, and, and it's not a it's not a, a difficult process. It's just, OK, what do I want this? What I want to portray? You know, what do I want this guy to project? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, and then you go from there. And if you do it long enough, you know, you know what to do. I mean, it's not it's not. Like you got to run around the block 10 times and do 50 push-ups and okay, now I'm ready. You know, it's like, you know, you just go there and, and um, you, and now, and the other thing too, is that a lot of times um, the directors have a different idea than what you have in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it wasn't, it wasn't really the case. Uh, Derek, wanted the character to be a certain way. And I said, that's fine. And I gave him a little backstory to help with my, uh, my motivation, you know, when I do the lines, my motivation for the lines. Uh, but there wasn't really a moment. There was only one moment and it wasn't about the lines or about the acting. It was about a scene where I, uh, oh, you watch the show, right? Mm-hmm. Well, where, I, where I get a pump full of holes, you mm-hmm. know, towards the end. And I wanted to die a certain way. And we went back and forth, but in a very, very cordial way, you know, like I go, you know, I'd really like to do this. And I'd show him, he goes, yeah, that's good, Mike, but I'd really want you to do this. And I go, no, I think this is going to be much better, you know? So we went back for back and forth for about two minutes. And then I said, okay, I'll just do it your way. (laughs) How much of that give and take relationship, uh, is essential for an actor and a director? Uh, depending on, on who you are, if you're the lead, 
Mm -hmm. it's it's extremely important i mean extremely important um and I've, i've been doing it for so long that i've made a little study and the really great directors they will allow you to to go off the reservation a little bit but what what they what they'll do is they'll say you'll say look I really would like to try this you know you always basically come to that's what I do and they'll say okay well show me and then you go do 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 and 50% of the time they say yeah do that and 50% they'll say you know no I think you should do it this way because of this and so it's it's a very intelligent give and take and uh, the writers too. I've worked with some amazing writers who will, I'll say, God, I, I, I just can't say that. You know, I don't know how to do that. And they'll go, really? Well, what do you want to say? Well, it, you want me to say this and this and this, but I can't say it. And they'll go, oh, okay. And they'll, okay, what about this? And I go, oh, that's better. <laughs> you know? and, uh, uh, and it's very on the opposite side directors who aren't really in command of their of their art mm-hmm. or writers who are have pretty monstrous egos they will not want you to do anything different and when you ask them you say well why am i here they'll go look just do what i tell you you know i mean it, it's that and so and derek wasn't uh, you know interestingly enough we didn't have any sort of discussions um uh, not, I, I think there was one maybe discussion where I was kind of going, uh, I don't know, but, but otherwise, you know, the whole shoot was fairly easy. Uh, there were quite a number of like big open shots that it was kind of hard for me to tell because I was watching it on a computer instead of a big screen, but it looked, I couldn't quite tell if it was a lot of green screen or not, but some of those large like underground bunker scenes, mm-hmm. uh, was that green screen or was that an actual uh, yeah. practical set? You know what? Um, there, there was interesting enough. They don't use green screen anymore. No, blue screen. Not even blue screen. They actually can can take whatever's there mm-hmm. and and put in what they put in what they want. I mean, the, there's a lot of stuff that was uh, that was there. I mean, when I did my work, we were in rooms. You know, mm-hmm. we were basically in small rooms. And the big shots were all. I don't there. I don't think there was a green screen. I don't remember, but it was just it was just a huge room. Mm-hmm. And then when the show when it when it came out and I saw it, they put in all the stuff. I mean, they put in everything. Oh, okay. Uh, but there weren't any green screens. There wasn't any blue screens or green screens. I, you know, I think those things are kind of old hat now. <laughs> the I last mean, they, time I saw one. Uh, I was on the set for um, Lost in Space, and yeah. we were in one soundstage where it was like a 40-foot-tall green screen that covered half the soundstage. I was like, what is this supposed to be? Because there was a prop in the middle of it. Like, how can you act and not, and that's all you see is just one yeah. green field of view. Well, well, you know, the thing is that people ask me uh, when, I, when I did the other show, they, they were like, oh, well, how do you do? I said, you know, it's acting. You know, you mm-hmm. really don't. I mean, you know, George Clooney wasn't actually operating on people, you know, in <laughs> ER, you know, and Tom Cruise isn't really a fighter pilot, although he's a pilot, you know, so 
so it's all just kind of acting and it's not mm -hmm. really anything different but uh i i think they like i said there was a bunch of shots where there wasn't a green screen in sight and they just had you know they i think they're they've the technology is so advanced now they don't even need green and blue screens it's i'm sure it's definitely helpful that you don't have to surround your actors with just no. a bunch of artificial stuff no more to say um when in other roles when you get into a role do you ever have difficulty when you get out of the role shaking that persona out of your head no no you could you could drop it like drop it like that as soon as you're done as soon as you're out it's it's when i walk off the set i'm or when they say cut i'm like going okay what's uh, you know <laughs> uh, there really isn't um uh, that thing even with even with the uh, the character uh, in star trek uh it was you know 12 hour 15 hour days mm -hmm. and when i when they said cut we were out of character i mean mm -hmm. we weren't you know walking around like that so so no some okay. people it's difficult so i've heard i've heard that people on the other hand you know like they can't get rid of it or else they have to be in character the whole time mm -hmm. you know uh so but no that hasn't been my experience with me uh as far as how covid has affected the entertainment industry how how has it affected you or your work this past year uh i i do a lot of voiceovers mm -hmm. a lot more than i do um on camera stuff uh, so that is that has been affected. I mean, they've they've done a few things, you know, at, here at my house, um, you know, with just a camera and the and the computer and everything like that, uh, and the microphone I have, um, and I've auditioned online uh, for speaking parts, you know, in, in, on camera stuff. And interestingly enough, before COVID, a lot of stuff was online. You know where you go and you you videotape yourself you videotape your audition so it was already heading toward that direction the only thing it did was it shut down a lot of productions mm -hmm. i mean just shut it down uh and and that's fine with me i mean at this point in my career i've, I've i only do stuff that i really want to do you know that is really interesting uh my agents and managers just i'm sure they're they're they don't have any hair left because i am just like passing on everything you know i just now nah, i'm not gonna do that now nah, i'm not gonna do that and they'll say well what about this and I say, yeah i'll do that and they're just going why do you want to do that not i don't know it just feels right so that's kind of where i am right now so when auditioning uh in front of a um a casting director or taping it which do you feel gives you the better chance of landing a role uh it, it's it's funny it's a very good question because um, if you do it in your house, you know, or at a facility and you're just, you know, with the reader and you're sending it off, you have the chance to do it as many times as you like. Uh, when you're auditioning, you don't have that luxury. Um, on the other hand, when you're auditioning with people, they can give you direction. Mm -hmm. They can say, okay, do it this way. So you have a better chance of, of, of nailing the audition. So it's a little bit of, you know, 
I, you know, I mean, I, I, I directed a, a few shows and, and I got to tell you, a lot of times it just doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, you could be, you could have the best audition and they'll choose somebody else for some random reason, you know, so, so you just do the best you can. But I, I, I do like doing it at home uh, because I like the idea that you can do it over and over and over again and look at it and go, oh, that's terrible. Um, because the other thing you got to realize is that those tapes, they're out there now. Mm -hmm. If you want to run for office, they have tapes of you doing, you know, silly stuff. Uh, so you want to give it a really good reading. You know, you want to do something really good all the time if you're going to do it that way. So, so that's kind of how it happened. I mean, when I started in the business, I mean, you go into an audition and the first audition, if it was kind of a big role, would be with the casting director. And then it would be with all the producers and everything, like, you know, six people. And then you come back to the network where there's like 10 people in a room. So it was really a performance. Does uh, it, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, does, does it kind of kick in a, a fight or flight instinct for actors when they're in front of that many people and they have that one shot? Uh, I, I can only speak for myself. It, it is, um, when I was doing a lot of auditioning, uh, it was no big deal. You mm -hmm. just kind of go in there and they teach you. Um, a lot of the coach I went to, he taught you that, okay, first of all, this is your time. You know, you, this is your 10 minutes. So you can, this, you know, you own it. And so you do whatever you want to do. If you want to do it again, do it again. And, you know, if you say, well, what do you think? Well, I don't, well, let me do it another way. You know, whatever the case, because usually you walk in and it's sort of like you're encroaching on their time. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you for having me in here. I really appreciate it. Now, you, you know, they want you in there. And so it's your time. And so it's not, it's not a fight or flight, but there is something for me. It's, that first line, I have got to get that first line out. <laughs> you know, if I if I don't get that first line, then I'm dead for the rest of the reading. So uh, my last question, which uh, I I usually like to ask in all my interviews, is since since you have so much experience, what would be your advice for those people that are just now trying to break in to the business? Um, I would say, really learn your craft. Uh, because uh, depending on what, you know, what you want to do in the business, if you want just a meteoric, you know, rise and a precipitous fall, then, you know, just go out there because there's so much, so much, there's so many platforms and so much work out there because of, you know, the cables and cable stations and HBO and Hulu and Amazon. I mean, all these things. Uh, but if you want a, a really long, um, rewarding career, then learn your craft, you know, know it and, uh, and be ready because you never know when that call is going to come. And if that calls come, if that call comes, you, you definitely have to be ready. Sometimes, you know, people get two or three calls in their, you know, in their career or three or four or five, some people get one, you know, so you just have to be ready. 
Yeah, I got that one. I had one. <laughs> really? What was that? It was for a reality television show. Uh-huh. <laughs> with, my, with my wife. <laughs> so, <coughs> so yeah, that was our that was our one show. She's been on a couple others, but yeah, that was my one big one to look goofy in, in front of yeah. a lot of people. So yeah, that was my one and done. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say that, that that's what you gotta do. I mean, you know, in the old days, um, when I started being, well, you have to do plays because that's the only, that's, they're the only things that would hire, you know, young actors, you know. Uh, so I would say do as many of those as you can. But now with all the platforms out there, I mean, the, you just got to be ready. And nobody really looks at, you know, a resume and say, oh, they've done theater and oh, they've done this. It's, it's, it's out there. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, anybody could, could do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that you have coming up on on the slate that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Um, well, two things. I um, I just finished writing. I, I've, I've written five things, um, and I'm not a, a writer per se. Like I'm not like a guy you know that they hire as a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I enjoy writing, and people really really like my writing a lot. And I said, oh, oh yeah, thank you very much, but I just write stuff I'm passionate about. And so I just finished a, my Western opus. And because um, I love Westerns. I mean, I've always loved Westerns as long as I've been alive. And so uh, my manager said, well, Michael, do you have an idea? And I said, of course I do. And so I took uh, this COVID time to, uh, to write it. And we are, we are looking at trying to find an outlet, somebody who would, who would do it. And that's where we are right now. Awesome. What what is it about westerns that that brings you in? Because it's it seems like it's kind of become like that niche a niche thing, not like uh, huge like it used to be. So you don't hear many people talking about. It, but what is it about westerns that you find so endearing? <coughs> well, um, it is raw, and you know. Yeah, on your on basic levels i mean the good guys are really good the mm-hmm. bad guys are really bad there's no ambiguity and so you have that which is easy to define and then from there you can be as interesting as you as you want i mean one of my favorite is um, um the uh, magnificent seven mm-hmm. uh, back in the 60s early 60s and, you know, it's a message. There was a message. I mean, they came there and at the end of they said, hey, you know, we're the, the gunmen making all the money and we lost. We'll always lose. The farmers win. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of the message, you know. And, um, and it, it's always been real exciting for me. Um, my brother and I grew up with Westerns, you know, uh, and then in, from the 70s until the 90s, there weren't that many great Westerns, you know, in my opinion. Uh, the last one was um, uh, Clint Eastwood. That was a, a brilliant piece of filmmaking. And they're just something about that kind of raw black and white kind of um, emotion that, uh, that always grabs me. I mean, the, the, the script that I wrote is the same thing. I mean, there's, you know, it's a guy who's gone through a transition and he, there's black and white. And if he sees it, he goes, 
that's not right, you know, and he goes and does something else. So, and uh, so I like that. And, you know, I mean, for some reason, I don't know, you know, when we're growing up, we're boys. So we played cowboys and Indians mm -hmm. you know, all day long. And it, maybe that's why it's such a, such a testosterone driven genre. You know what I mean? That, you know, as young boys, that's what you did. You know, cops and robbers, uh, you know, cowboys and Indians, you know, nobody, we didn't ever play lawyer. Dick you know? <laughs> Durbin, lawyer, you know. Playing Wall Street mogul just doesn't have a good, nice ring to it when you're eight years old. <laughs> hey, let's play Wall Street mogul. Yeah, you know. Just sitting there with just the New York Times just going through yeah, the stocks. You know, you know. <laughs> I know. Who's going to be the whores? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Awesome. So that's what that's where we're we're trying to get it done. And you know, it's a good time right now because um the character is African American and there's a lot of 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 content out there for African Americans mm -hmm. these days. And uh we think it has a good chance. But I want to be the Clint Eastwood, I want to direct it. I wrote it, I want to direct it, you know. You don't want to be in front of the camera for this one? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you want to do both? I want to do all. Yeah. I, I, well, I wrote it, so I want to do both. I want to direct it and star in it. How um, taxing do you think that would be uh, to to both direct and be the star of your own film? I, I can't imagine that's an e easy thing to, to do. Well, inter interestingly enough, I, I found it very easy. I directed and, and acted in some um, a couple of um, um, Deep Space Nines. Mm -hmm. And I, I found it easy. I found it very easy. You, you just have to have a great stand in, you know, that's the main thing. And you have to have a, 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 a great director of photography. So you can trust him that he's going to get the shot. You know, in the old days, you know, they, they didn't have monitors. You know, mm -hmm. they didn't have, you know, things set up where you can rerun the scene and do it. Okay, let's do it again because this one. And which is fine. They did they did just fine, you know, with that. And so you have to have a good DP that can say, okay, this looks good or that looks good, or did we get it? Yes, we did, you know, and let's move on. But and directing to me is 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 not difficult. The politics are difficult, but the actual mm -hmm. work is is really easy for me. So um so I don't think it I don't think it'd be a problem. I just you know, and plus, you know, if you're the lead and you're the director, you know, who are you going to argue with? You know, <laughs> uh, when you do get this made, what are some of the areas that, in the U.S. that you want to shoot in? Do you want to shoot in Arizona, Colorado, California? What are those those big, spacious, beautiful spots where westerns are always filmed? Do you want to film in? Yeah, well, you know, there's um, you know, I haven't seen it yet, but um. Arizona, Colorado, and Utah have some uh, some places that people have been shooting. Mm -hmm. Also, Canada uh, has some you know gorgeous places, uh, and so we want to get some place because it's going to be all outdoors pretty much. Mm -hmm. So, so we think that, and the, the it takes place in New Mexico, Colorado, and parts of Arizona. So if we can go there without getting too 
out in the wilderness kind of thing, uh, <laughs> then I think that would be the place to do it. That would be the place. Uh, I love Canada, uh, there's, but there's a lot of sort of Canadian stuff you have to go through. Mm -hmm. The people on the set, the people behind the camera, you know, things like that, you know. Um, but they shot some beautiful stuff. I mean, they shot Hell on Wheels, is that it? Yes, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, they shot that in Canada too. Yep, and a lot of the outdoor shots for Lost in Space and also oh, really? altered, altered Carbon were done in Vancouver, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, so so I think that there's, and I and I shot, I shot a couple of shows up in Vancouver and um, they have some beautiful stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that that's a possibility too. You know, it's kind of wide open. So, um, so once they give us the green light, as they say, then we'll we'll tackle that part. But the the difficult part is is going to be the casting. Mm -hmm. That's the difficult part. Just because you 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 know this is my first feature, and you really want to do it right, you know. So you have to, you know. Um, get the right people and it's the politics people are going to say oh you got to get a big name you got to get a big name you got to this you got to I mean everybody's going to tell you what to do mm -hmm. and you just have to say no let's just shoot the thing with the best actor that we can find mm -hmm. and then you know forget about all the stuff I mean my my um, I can tell you this one last thing is my inspiration has always been the old-time directors, you know, Howard Hawks and um, and John Ford and and those guys, um, and then um, uh, Coppola. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that the the two Godfather, the one and two, the most beautiful movies ever made. I mean, literally gorgeous and amazing. So. Those are my, and you know, it's Scorsese, super interesting. Uh, but lately it's, uh, you know, and, and Ken Clint Eastwood, but lately it's been um, Tarantino. Really? Yeah, yeah, super interesting. Uh, a particular era of Tarantino's work or all together? Um, yeah, I, I loved Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. I liked Reservoir Dogs, but I was a real fan of Pulp Fiction. Uh, Kill Bill was was amazing uh inglorious bastards i mean for god's sake i mean that was it was a great use of, of the cast too a yeah. lot of names that you did not expect to show up in that movie were no. there and i'm sorry if brad's watching i i think that was brad pitt's best work <laughs> really i mean he was like he sold it yeah he sold that character <laughs> you know? um and then um his last one, uh, Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. That one was, once again, he takes you on a ride and you don't know where you're going, mm -hmm. but he's taking you for a ride. And it's always satisfying at the end. And that's the thing. Always very interesting, very cool, very exciting. You know, there were moments when I'm going, Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh, you know. And then all of a sudden you go, whew, okay. Um, I think he's the only director that can that can whip out a flamethrower in the end of 
a movie with that much much serious action and stakes and make it work without it seeming goofy. Yeah. Oh, and my favorite is that, you know, I'm sure I don't I don't know, but if I was gonna write something like a through line, it'd be what if the Manson family went to the wrong house? But not only to the wrong house, they went into a house where the guy is capable of killing them. <laughs> You know, where they really went to the wrong house, you know, and what would happen? And it was, it was just brilliant. It really was, really was good. And, and interestingly enough, I didn't steal from him, but I like that kind of writing. Mm -hmm. And so when I wrote this, this Western, my manager did say, oh, we see a little Tarantino in there. And I go, good, good. You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity interviews and roundtable discussions on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Be sure to check out our movie, TV, and video game coverage at SixthSense.com and FanBolt.com.